Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. We are back again to talk about lesbian horror. And the great representation of having LGBTQ murderers. Right? I actually feel better about this one because, you know, <laughs> it's funny. There were two lesbians and oh. one of them was a crazy psycho killer oh, and the other one was not. Sure. That's very good because what I was going to say is I guess I was wrong in saying it's a nice representation because apparently they're just all murderers now. No. But you're right. One uh, yeah. 50-50 in this movie. Cuz in the last one, the lesbian was crazy in so many ways. Like, she was yeah. a murderer and she was, like, pursuing violently someone who was not interested in her in that way. True. Like, it was not, it was just bad representation. This one, though, we've got a lesbian couple hanging out in the woods for their anniversary weekend, their first anniversary, and nothing says first anniversary <laughs> like shoving your wife off a cliff. I, yeah, I would agree. I'm really glad that we're like much closer to our 20th anniversary than our first. Well, if given you that thought you the think first that. was fun, wait till you see the 20th. <laughs> we're talking about the movie What Keeps You Alive from 2018. It's fun that our murderer in this movie never wastes time with being creepy. Like, these, this loving couple shows up at the cabin and from the first moment, she's just super creepy the whole time. Yeah. Like, one of my big notes is, how did this relationship last for a whole year? Plus, <laughs> because I assume they dated for a while before they got married. Like, sure. how? Because Jackie, whose cabin we're at, to this cabin has been in her family for generations. Like, she's nuts. <laughs> and there's no secret to it. Like... Yeah. How did Jules not pick up on this? She's like, let me sing you my fun little love song about being a demon and killing people. And bloodletting and <laughs> ugh, yeah. And it wasn't even just singing it. Okay, so it's a folk song. It's a creepy song, uh -huh. whatever. You could sing it in a way that doesn't look like you are currently possessed <laughs> by a demon. That's true. Like, she... I don't know, like maybe because she was at the cabin and she was like, I'm just going to let it all hang out. You're going over the cliff tomorrow anyway. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But then why was she so upset that Sarah showed up and gave her secret away? Yeah, well, because she wasn't counting on it. It put her off her game. I guess. Ruins everything. I mean, the, oh, so the first thing you need to know, dear listener, is that Jackie is in fact... Megan, something that Julie, her wife, finds out when Sarah shows up unexpectedly because, you know, oh my gosh, there's lights on at the cabin. We better go check it out. Yeah. Which makes me think of the previous podcast where we were talking about how they should have kept the science experiment girl in the house <laughs> rather than in the barn because someone would come and check on the lights. Yeah, see? Hello? Boom. They check Proof. on the lights. Of course, this was the house, but yeah. But still, like they would have come and they would have been like, oh yeah, we're here. 
you show up and there's only lights on in the barn, that's weird. That is pretty weird. Okay. It makes it seem like you're harboring an alien. Right? So anyway, like, that's where everything starts to unravel for Julie is she's like, wait a minute, why does this person know you as... Megan instead of Jackie. But like you pointed out when it happened. Thanks, I'm smart. She goes from zero to 60 in suspicion meters, like immediately. Yeah, which seemed really excessive for just, oh, I didn't know that in your childhood you were called Megan. Right. Like there were ways, there were possible answers other than you're a serial killer that she might have jumped to sooner. So the thing that you pointed out was that makes it seem like she had suspicions before this. Yeah, there was something up there. But we don't know what those are. We didn't see anything about that. No, but Megan Jackie was not put too far off her game because she was kind of in control for the whole most of the movie. And she just was like hunting Yes. That was another thing I wrote down is that Julie shoots like she's talking about how, oh, you know, she shot, you know, competitively or whatever. And she was giving Jackie a hard time about her form and whatnot. But Jackie hunts. Yeah. And so she starts giving all these stories about when she was a kid and her dad teaching her how to hunt. And it's clear that her psychopath behavior goes back a long way because she has this story about watching a bear die. The very first time she ever held a gun. Yeah. She shoots a whole black bear. Her being creepy right right out of the gate. Yeah. But then she says later that her parents had a good relationship. Her dad never did anything weird to her. Like Julie's trying to find out why this is happening. And Jackie, Megan, Jackie slash Megan says, (laughs) it's nature, it's not nurture. Like, she's very clear. I was born this way. This is not how, you know, something that happened to me because of the way I was raised. Which I thought was a very interesting point. Yeah, she's just, I mean, just saying that her parents were perfectly fine parents. So stop trying to blame this on drama. Right. This is just who I am. Like. I don't know. It's It's another LGBTQ question right there. (laughs) A lot of horror movies are predicated on the idea that how you are nurtured turns you into a bad person. Like, I would say 80 plus percent of them have some explanation as to what made the bad guy the bad guy, right? Yeah. And so it's always refreshing to me to come across one that doesn't do that. And this goes even further by just flat out saying, no, that's not it. Nope. Some people are just born Delightful. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say bad. And I wanted to say from her perspective, it's not bad. It's great. Right. right. So what was the body count in this movie? Well, we've got Sarah and drunk Daniel. Oh my gosh. Daniel and his wine, man. He was like such a white woman. (laughs) (laughs) On his Instagram. Yeah, he he was drinking lots and lots of wine. Like, he couldn't open his eyes more than halfway at any point in the movie. Yeah, and I think, I think actually there's only one other body for real, officially, which is not the one you expect it to be. Yeah, because that <gasps> inhale at the end of the movie uh-huh. suggests that Julie survived not one... <laughs> But two falls off of the cliff. Plus whatever happened in the attic that we didn't see, which was quite violent. Yes. Okay, so I thought that was a very distinct choice for the filmmakers to make. That this, like, almost culminating battle 
the penultimate battle of the movie <laughs> happens in the attic. And instead of us up there being the camera watching the battle, we are in the floor below the attic, looking up at the ceiling, listening to it, and just seeing evidence of like light swaying and stuff. Yeah. Which then kind it's like of Godzilla. Right. But it kind of puts us in the story more because you would think that being able to see it would mean you were more part of the story. But that, in fact, is I am watching a story. Yeah. Because being the in the floor below and like wondering what's going on is what would happen if you were actually there. So <laughs> No, I'd be on my way out the door, actually. <laughs> right. So I, I just thought that was a, a creative choice for them to make. And I think, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure there was a very distinctive thought process behind it. So this brings me to a frustration I kept feeling, which is that Julie made a lot of really bad choices. So many bad choices. The biggest of which being she's <laughs> done. She's, she's gone. Good. Movie's over. She knocks Jackie out with a tranquilizer dart that appeared from nowhere another problem i had gets in the jeep and she's on her way to town and then she realizes that it's like she she remembers a conversation that they had where she's talking about being a crow and being crows being the smartest bird in the world and jackie slash megan is like well i'm a bald eagle are you scared Mm -hmm. and like just the memory of her doing this was enough to make her turn around and go back and like need to finish the fight. Well, my theory on that was the idea, and this makes me mad because I disagree, that she thought, if I just run away, I'm leaving her to kill other people. I'm not stopping her. I'm not solving the problem, which is dead wrong. If she went into town and got the cops... This would all be solved. There were right. bodies to be found. There were missing people. Like, everything. Look at all the bruises. Yeah. I got pushed off a cliff. I had to stitch my stomach open, but then she tore the stitches out. <laughs> yep. I know where there's two hacked up bodies that have been thrown in the river. And I don't care how carefully Jackie thinks she cleaned that house. <laughs> she didn't do there's job. no way. Like that whole scene with her cleaning with the black light flashlight, mm-hmm. I'm like Come on, that's not how blood works. Yeah. Or cleaning products. They or have wood. more <laughs> advanced ways of detecting things than that. Yeah. So I agree with you. If she had just gone to town and told her story, it would have been resolved. There would have had to be a manhunt. Yeah. A woman hunt. But they would have eventually caught her. Yep. So yeah, I think her going back and feeling like she had to single handedly finish it off was a huge mistake. Clearly, because it led to her semi death. Her second semi-death. Yeah. I mean, I will give you one, I fell off a cliff, you thought I was dead, oh, are you I disappeared. It? No, 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 no. I'm like, one is unbelievable. Two, I'm like, unbelievable. no. No, absolutely not. Yeah. That little girl, because she was tiny and she was skinny tiny. and fragile, like, she didn't survive the first fall. Is it all a dream? And after being, like, she had a bruised spleen after the first fall and a sprained ankle and a hole in her gut and who the heck knows what else. The second time she fell, her sprained spleen is broken. Oh, this is making my legs hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just, you know, it was movie magic. That was just a little too far. 
Yeah, I think it was okay for her to die the second time. They didn't need to do that. They didn't. They absolutely didn't because she died having still, we still know that she was the hero because she swaps out Jackie's insulin for hydrogen peroxide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, because she has some medical training and leaves her a snarky video message (laughs) about what happens when you inject hydrogen peroxide into your bloodstream like she's all like well i'm dead but guess what (laughs) like she's not as good as being alive though no it's not but i think it was you know a last ditch effort like if you still manage to kill me i'm still going to save all of those other people which is very noble and is indeed whatever and i think she could have died having gone over that cliff a second time and it, it would have been a more noble ending yeah and her other medical thing was jabbing her with a tranquilizer dart which we never saw her pick up that dart we there never saw any darts in the whole movie never any evidence that there was any reason why there'd be a tranquilizer dart somewhere it was weird the thing is it makes sense that there's a tranquilizer dart in that house because hmm. they did all that hunting they had like dead animals yeah, all over the walls they had to shoot things not to put them to there don't work at the zoo okay jackie <laughs> slash megan is crazy enough that she would tranquilize animals and then kill them like Whoa. i feel like that's a thing she would do <laughs> okay but that calls for a scene where she goes holy crap here's the room full of tranquilizer darts exactly like ha- it would have been so easy and they showed that they know how to do that kind of setup there was this offhand mention of her needing, you know, oh, do you know where my insulin is? Like way at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then that never comes up again, which I kind of have issue with because Me there was too. a lot going on in this movie. And I feel like Jackie would have had to like dose up a couple times. She did at one point. She dosed up at some point. Oh, okay. In the middle. Okay. Like just, I feel like her being so active. I mean, she was like running around in the woods. Doing all kinds of murdery yeah. things. Her adrenaline was going. And it was over a couple days. Yeah. I feel like there there should have been more, like it should have been a more everyday part of her life. But I get why they didn't because they wanted us to forget about it. I didn't ever forget about it. That's the problem. There's not enough diabetic representation in movies. So <laughs> yeah. when insulin is mentioned, you immediately are like, oh, well, that's coming back. Well. The movie's called What Keeps You Alive, and it is kind of clever and fun to have, you know, oh, hey, that's the thing. That's what keeps her alive, and she's going to take it away from her. Except that it happened so late, and it was set up so early. It was just like, come on. Yeah. When's this? When did she take it out? Because I kept thinking, like, when they were in the rowboats together, and she's almost got her, I was, that there was going to be, like, she was going to drop it overboard right then or something. Something. Anything. Also, it's totally a cheat, because it wasn't taking away what kept her alive that killed her. Uh, It It was was tricking her her into (laughs) injecting... Uh, hydrogen peroxide into her blood. Yes. Like, it wasn't a matter of taking it away. So, Which I would have really liked. Yes, I would have, you know, even if it had just been like those vials had all been smashed and she's needing it and she goes and she's like, oh crap. And mm-hmm. then she, you know, expires in the house because her yeah. body refuses to keep her alive at that point. That And you know, I it's like, know. I can just see that. It's like when she thinks she's won and she's got Julie pinned down with a knife or a gun or whatever, and you're about to die now, walk off that cliff, 
oh crap, I collapse, I can't yes. continue. Or even that that happens much earlier. Mm. She knows she doesn't have insulin and she knows that's like a ticking clock for her, yeah, right? That, and so tension. she's trying to get Julie over the cliff the second time before that ticking clock goes off. And, you know, we could have had that same scene where she fell down because of the tranquilizer yes. dart, only it could have been because... She needed her insulin. Which is what that scene felt like. Almost mm-hmm. almost like they made that scene of them on the cliff and her falling down. And then they went back and filmed the scene in the car where she actually stabs her with the dart. Because right. it seemed so, they were like, so oh, much we need like to the more. insulin thing. <laughs> but not. But right. for some reason, it was a different method. Right. What I wanted it to be was that whatever was in that dart was going to, like speed up her metabolism and make her need the insulin sooner but like you pointed out people don't dart animals to make them faster (laughs) (laughs) which i mean maybe in like horse racing they do like they're in the stands and they're all come on tree of a thousand faces (laughs) what kind of horse racing are you going to horse racing horses have weird names that are like sentences i don't know tree of a thousand faces might be cthulhu horse racing but still it was the first thing i came up with i don't know johnny's bag of soap that's a horse name fiddlesticks no (laughs) you can't you can't keep laughing johnny's bag of soap (laughs) I'm sorry. I thought that was a valid horse name, but I guess not. Tree of a thousand faces. <laughs> Johnny's big And fiddlesticks. Those are the first two horse names you came up with. Yeah. Is that bad? I don't know horses very well. Oh, I can't breathe. My stomach hurts. Oh. <laughs> Those are the best names in the world. Three hours later. Uh, Okay. I can't think of horse names on the fly. I'm not not trying to make fun of them. I love them. They're my favorite. I want you to name all the horses in horse racing. I would be happy to. Oh, all I can think of is the scene in Needful Things where the one guy who gets the horse racing game yeah. and, like, it gives him all the answers. See? That's and the And all names. I can think of is his, his, him tapping on each of the little metal horses and naming them. <laughs> Three of a thousand faces. Oh, Johnny's bag of stuff. <laughs> That's bad on so many levels. Is it? That's bad? It's like Johnny's bottle of glue. <laughs> Well, that's just rude. You don't call a horse that. Uh, Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you, when this bear story happened in the movie, we were talking about, oh, this is an important sentence that's coming back. It was after she shot a bear and then had to watch it die because she didn't have a way to kill it because her gun jammed. Her dad gave her a knife. And, you know, the thing was, he gave me a knife so that if my gun jammed, I'd still be able to finish the job. Right. In case my gun "Mm." ever jams again, was what she said. How did that not enter into the story at any point? Right. That's really weird. So frustrating. 
And then the necklaces, too. Like, okay, mm. she gives Julie a necklace. And I'm like, oh, you know, at first it's like, oh, it's an anniversary gift. How sweet. And then you're like, oh, this chick's a little crazy. She doesn't give sweet gifts, so something's definitely <laughs> up. And then you find out about Jenny, who drowned on her way across the lake because she was, you know, competing with Jackie when they were kids. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I bet Jenny had one of those necklaces. Like, I was making a connection there. And then when Julie comes back, she, like, looks behind the bear, which I thought was interesting. I liked that it was behind the bear. Mm -hmm. But she looks behind the bear and finds a whole, like, Sucrete's tin (laughs) of these necklaces. Like, six of them. Yeah. So we knew about Jenny. We knew about the first wife who also drowned on their honeymoon on a vacation of some kind. Yeah, I don't remember the details, but she disappeared. So clearly she had a necklace, but that means there's like four or five other people. Oh, there definitely are. You knew there had to be. But I wanted again, her to be like how? like late, like three scenes <laughs> later after the story about her first wife, she'd be like, "Oh yeah, did I ever mention my second wife to you?" <laughs> right? Or you remind me of my fourth wife. <laughs> And it just, like, again, it's it's that question of how did Julie never clue in that there was something wrong? Like, yeah. Jackie was not, she was a good liar, but she wasn't that good of a liar. <laughs> no. Like, nothing else ever came up. Nobody, she managed to eliminate from her life all of the people connected to all of these people who have died. Yeah. And also, around the fourth or fifth time some woman <laughs> dies in your presence, I feel like the suspicion on the cop from the cops is going to be, like, a little higher. Well, it's, you know, that's the whole serial killer thing. We know serial killers do this and get away with it for many kills, so but she got away with it. isn't that, like, stranger kills? Or, you Probably. know, it's not people who can be directly, like... Well, and her maybe best friends and or mo- closest yeah. women in her life are the ones who are dying. But maybe the other ones were all strangers. It's just the Jenny and the one wife. And there was suspicion of her about Jenny, but they're like, oh, probably not. She's just a kid. But not the first wife. Like, I'm sorry. Know. If there's a mildly suspicious drowning in your childhood and then your first wife drowns when you're on vacation. But. I mean... Records about your childhood are sealed, so nobody knows. You seem awfully sure about that. Definitely. Very sealed. Don't go looking. <laughs> okay, tree of a thousand you, faces. I don't want you to know about my horse racing past. <laughs> right? I don't know, but I did feel like it was a good choice on Jackie's part to decide to push Julie over the cliff rather than drown her in the same lake <laughs> she drowned Jenny in, you know, yeah. 15 years before. Yeah, that's that's good thinking. I would agree. There were two things that I thought were pretty unique in this movie. Because, you know, otherwise we've seen lots of movies where the member of a marriage turns out to be a monster and is killing the other person and whatever. Right. Like, that happens a lot. But in this one, there were two things. One is that instead of going, oh no, this is a monster chasing after me now and, you know, kind of dropping the whole relationship... Julie kept trying to make it work as much as she could, you know, was like hoping, oh, we're going to get you help. I'm not going to turn you in and stuff like that. Like she was 
she had trouble convincing herself. Do you think that's true or that she I was do. just saying those things because she thought she might live if she convinced there's, Jackie of those There's things. some of that, and that's part two of what I'm going to say. But earlier on, we had some moments like when uh, when Jackie was searching for her in the woods. Oh, yeah. She She's like, call out to me. I'm going to find you. And she almost did. And she's like, you know, maybe there's some explanation. Maybe this right. is all okay. And she was just trying to swat a mosquito. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> and accidentally pushed me over the cliff. Yeah. I mean, you know, your head's a little messed up after you hit the ground. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, I do think it's hard to wrap your head around the idea that someone you have been in love with and yes. have trusted at that level for a whole year and more is trying to kill you. Yeah. Like, there's... And that's realistic, and I think a lot of other movies haven't done that. They've had the people just immediately flip to like, oh no, they're Mm -hmm. a monster now. And so I like that. And the other thing was this whole, once Jackie got her back under control, you know, and had her kidnapped again, it wasn't, go along with me and everything will be fine. It was, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to push you off this cliff, and that's what's happening, so make it work out well so that it doesn't get worse than that. Right? And that part, like, I liked it, but also, I'm like, I guess it just showed me how out of touch with reality Jackie truly was, that she's, like, trying to convince Julie to do a better job of cleaning up the evidence of (laughs) her own death. Or, you know, like, oh, well, here, you have to eat this breakfast. I need your stomach full in case they do an autopsy. And I'd be like, well... (laughs) I guess I'm not going to eat then. Like, if you're going to kill me one way or the other, I'm going to make as much evidence as possible that you're the one who did it. Which is good. But it also leads to that whole thing of all the dumb choices she made Mm -hmm. where there were so many times when she should have just ran for it. I mean, this this is what I thought of during the movie. Yeah. I was like, this is this comes from you, Soli. Okay. There's three options. There's fight, flight, and freeze. And... Fight or flight would have been good. Freeze was the one she was doing, and I was done with it. I mean, unfortunately, if we're putting it in those terms, which are uh, you, you have a very good point, but we put it in those terms, if freeze is her trauma response, that's not a thing she has a lot of control over. Maybe that's the realism of it. And I sort of think... That's maybe the interesting thing about her leaving because she finally got out of freeze and into flight and then halfway through was like, (laughs) screw this, I'm going to fight. And she went back. And that's maybe not the best choice, but it was also an example of her like taking control of the situation. It makes you question whether crows are the smartest of birds or not. Well, okay. So I liked the whole crow eagle like we're birds metaphor except that we live here on the river Mm -hmm. in fact we live on two different rivers and in both places that we live i have seen crows chase bald eagles down the river the eagles hate it they they do but they also leave because they can't do anything i mean obviously it's maybe more than one crow but not necessarily all the time. I think that Jackie thought bald eagles were like big aggressive birds and they're big and they're predators, but I don't think they're necessarily aggressive the way she was thinking. Whereas the crows are smart and willing to fight to protect their territory. There was a flaw there because I don't think that Jackie 
was a bald eagle. I think they could have found a better bird mm. that would have been more, still a bird of prey, but one that was more vindictive. <laughs> Eagles aren't vindictive. But maybe that's the point. Maybe it was good because she thought she was being tough and scary by being the bald eagle, but the truth is the crow can totally chase a bald eagle. Maybe. Maybe that's uh, it. And that's her being such a smart bird. Right? Yeah. I don't know. So I was kind of torn about the whole bird metaphor. So you mentioned how the title, What Keeps You Alive, ties to the insulin. It also ties to her father and her experiences hunting when she was young. Because Mm -hmm. after that kill, where she watched the bear die because her gun jammed, her father, like they use the whole bear. And her father tells her, you only kill what keeps you alive. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. But then later, Julie is saying like, oh, you know, I know, I know what your father told you, but this isn't what he meant. And when she says this, it feels like she's saying killing me. Yeah, I think so. But how in any way does that connect to what her father was saying? Well, I don't think it does, but it does connect to what keeps you alive. Like in, a, in another way of speaking, by killing her wife, she's killing what keeps her alive. Like, first of all, because her wife did her insulin for her, but she could do it herself. But anyway, you know, that. The, but that whole thing yeah. of, you know, oh, you are everything to me. You keep me alive. But she certainly wasn't thinking about the no, relationship she in that way. She definitely wasn't. But that's an interpretation of it. The other possibility that I thought of, because I don't feel like that feels authentic to the story. Like, mm. maybe that's how Julie was thinking about yeah. it. Like, I'm keeping you alive and you don't have to kill me. But, okay, Julie, that's crazy thinking. <laughs> maybe it was the idea that killing Julie, especially now that she's pushed her off the cliff and, like, all her secrets have come spilling out, <clears throat> killing Julie is necessary in order to for her to stay free and alive. Like... Julie will get her locked sure. up or, yeah. you know, killed or whatever, that she has to kill Julie to keep herself alive. Which fits Maybe. more the idea of only kill things that keep you alive by getting killed. Yeah. So, I don't know. It it just felt like either I missed something there and I didn't put the pieces together properly, or there were pieces missing. And I'm I'm not sure which is true. Don't know. I'm sure if the writers were listening, they would be thinking, I missed something. (laughs) I'm sure they would. Because it felt, overall, it felt like a fairly tightly written story. It didn't have a lot of sloppiness to it. Yeah. Ratings! Overall, What Keeps You Alive is very well put together, I feel like. I enjoyed watching it in terms of, like, the visuals. I felt like... There wasn't anything wild and crazy about the soundtrack. There was the one scene where she was blasting some kind of like punk rock song to antagonize Jackie into coming back to the house. But I didn't fully understand exactly what the benefit of that was. And I didn't understand why she would want to deafen herself in that way while Jackie could be sneaking up on her. Yeah, she was like sitting there looking out for her and she was making it so she couldn't hear her, which was dumb. Also, she was standing in a lit room at a window and Jackie had a high-powered rifle. Like, that was just dumb, too. No, I don't think Jackie had a gun at that point. Not anymore? Okay. No, because that's after she had been left by the cliff. But 
I had the same concern. And then my idea was, if this makes sense, she put on the music because she assumed that Jackie would assume that she had gone off to get the cops like a normal person. And so Jackie was probably running away to try to not be found and just disappear. And she's like, guess what? I'm here at the house. You can come tell because the music. So come on back. And that kind of makes some sense. I mean, kind of, but also, I don't know. Anyway, I felt like the story was pretty strong. I didn't, there weren't a lot of loose ends that left me annoyed or, you know, there were definitely some choices by the characters that I disagreed with, but I felt like they were kind of appropriate to the character, right? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't feel random. They just felt like, ugh, this character is making me crazy. Yeah. And I'm down for some like just lesbians are normal people kind of stories. Mm -hmm. Like that was not a part of the story. It just happened to be that that's who they were, which I really liked. But along with all those good things, it just, like, it definitely wasn't a mind-blowing story. It, there were a few flaws here and there. There were pieces that left me a little bit like, eh, this could have been better. Like the tranquilizer dart. Right. So, I am going to give this movie four collapsing boathouses out of five. It's a solid movie. It's a solid watch. I think a lot of people would enjoy this as a general horror movie. Yeah. I feel like... Like, on paper, everything about this movie was just right. Mm -hmm. It should have been great. Mm -hmm. But it didn't pull me in that way. Like, I kept getting distracted because it just wasn't working quite right. And that's that's what brings it down Mm -hmm. to four collapsed boathouses out of five. Same as you. That it's, it's definitely good, but it was sort of awesome minus some problems. And that was problematic. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm, I I agree. There was just, it wanted to be, it was very close to being a five. Mm-hmm. It just was saggy in just enough parts to not yeah. make it. But Some but really, choices. overall, like I, I don't regret watching this movie, and I would definitely re- recommend it to other people. Sure, that's fair. Cool. So, as we move on to the Evil Twins. Buried Alive from 2007. But not the other Buried Alive from 2007. We watched the one with Tobin Bell. Yes. I have to ask you the same question. Would you recommend other people watch Buried Alive? Nope. Well. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Really? That means we're going to have an interesting discussion. Are we? Did you love it? I mean, love it is a stretch. (laughs) But I didn't hate it the way... I expected to hate it. Buried Alive is one of those movies about a bunch of teens, college kids in this case, mm-hmm. who go off on a trip into the desert in this case. I'm, I'm mad-libbing this from yes. all the similar movies to get murdered by a ghost. Yes. And little bonus, they're going to the house that's been in their family for generations because there was gold in them, thar hills. Yeah, there was. And they want to go find this gold. And of course, they let the nerdy kid come along, even though he's nerdy. And they have a sorority thing happening where they're hazing some sorority girls. It's that kind of movie. The characters in this movie are caricatures. Yeah. 
One of the sorority girls wears a cow costume for like the first half of the movie. The other one wears a dog costume because it's part of their hazing. Yep. Then they spend a significant portion of the rest of the movie wearing nothing at all. (laughs) Yes. The nerdy guy that you mentioned is, you know how happy I was with the lesbian representation (laughs) in What Keeps You Alive? I am equally unhappy with the representation um, presented by Phil because he is the college nerd. He is Asian. He has a stutter and or compulsive verbal tick. Yeah, he just repeats whole words. And I think that that, like a lot of his other behaviors too, kind of, I think there was a suggestion of him being autistic in some way. I think that's absolutely what they were going for without any sensitivity or And it was anything so offensive. Yeah. So offensive. That being said, the storyline of Phil, if we could do away with all that gross garbage around just bad, bad representation of autism Mm -hmm. and just have him be like the kind of nerdier friend. Like he, they could have done that in a way where he could have still been the nerd who almost helped the other guy get through the hardest class in college and whatever. But they're not the kind of people who would make that choice. The people who made this movie? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, I feel like you're right there. But they, he could have been. And if the, he had been not such a horribly, horribly offensive character, the whole thing of him being in the car for like half the movie was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, we can't talk about it, but it's pretty funny. It was the funniest thing. And there were other aspects of this movie that to me were so funny. Mm-hmm. Except that they were buried under just like sorority nonsense, frat boy nonsense, like incredibly insensitive grossness. Yeah, they also had like the gross old man concept where, you know, he was being terrible and everything. he didn't bother me. No. Except that's... for the part like like his in terms of him being bad representation, I'm like, well, yeah, okay. No, he, yeah. he's reasonable representation. It's good. It's good. It's funny. It's just an opportunity, though, to be a pervert and yes. gross in, you know, in all the ways that you could be gross. See, again, his character could have been even better had he not had the lecherous aspect. If he had just been out there and he was just a loner who lived mm-hmm. in the desert all by himself, he was annoyed by these college kids, especially this <laughs> college boy so who's sense. coming in and is like this is my house and you're not going to be here for very much longer and blah, blah, blah. And he had just been torturing them with like masks and noises and just generally being a jerk to them. That would have been amazing. He didn't have to be creepy. Oh, speaking of creepy, this movie features a pair of cousins. Yes. So the boy, his dad owned the house, but before that, his grandpa. So like, the guy's grandpa and the girl's grandpa were the same person. Oh, so you've done the family tree on this. Well, because they were talking about the grandmas and, you know, their uh-huh. actual yeah. grandpa's first wife and his second wife and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so they're like, they're not even distant cousins. These are like cousin cousins. <laughs> yes, they are. And 
the way some of the early scenes happened in this movie, it was like they hadn't been told what the relationship between them was. They hadn't read that part of the script yet. Because the only thing we got at that point was that he called her cuz twice. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like does well, he mean weird. that? Or is that just a phrase? That's weird as he's watching her take a bath. <laughs> yeah. And then she like kisses him on the mouth. Like not then, but like. Just when they're like hanging out. In front out. of her boyfriend. Yeah. Who makes the exact same face that we made at that point. <laughs> yeah, because he read the whole script. <laughs> they had only read that part. No, but even later, like, there mm-hmm. was some weird Everybody, relationship stuff going yes. on between those cousins. And, be, and with her boyfriend and the sorority girls, like, it was like... No one quite knew who was with who, which I understand there's an element to that, but nobody acted like it was being weird. Okay, but for the most part, I'm like, whatever, this is a movie about horny college kids, and they're all having sex with each other. Like, whatever. Fine. It's like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Except that these two were cousins, (laughs) and they they knew they were cousins. And she was there with her boyfriend anyway. Just the whole thing yeah. was weird. Like there it was, was so upsetting. It's so strange and, and random like she incest. Was, she was jealous of like anytime her cousin was yeah. being attracted to the other sorority girls, like she would get mad and send them out to do things and get them away from him. And I'm like, where is this going? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't know what the writers were thinking is the thing. Like, what was the concept there that made that make sense to them? I I don't know, except that maybe they just thought it was funny. Probably. Because that's something earlier before we recorded this podcast, you said to me that you thought this movie was really funny. And I was like, oh, I didn't look at it that way. I just looked at it as terrible. And maybe that's the whole thing is I'm missing all the intentional humor of it. Because it was under terrible terrible humor like yeah really bad i mean really bad i don't know i mean it wasn't there wasn't anything it's not like these two cousins like got it on but there was a definite suggestion which was very odd yeah and that's gonna color the whole movie where you're like what's happening here yeah yeah i i think overall it was not a good movie i agree with you But when you take away certain aspects of it, like if you just take some really strong bleach to it and just bleach (laughs) out all the frat boy, sorority girl, trashy humor. You end up with a four minute movie. (laughs) Okay, so they could have had it just be friends who were all friends and not the imbalance of like this one girl is bossing everyone around in this super toxic way. Mm-hmm. It could have just been a bunch of friends and they're playing like like they do in all of these movies. They've got like truth or dare or spin the bottle yeah, or whatever. Definitely. And they still could have had the scene where the girl ran through the woods naked for five minutes. <laughs> but it could have been more like consent based where she was doing it because they were playing a game and she like, ha ah, it's funny, I'm going to do it rather than I have to do it because I am the slave to this that was older sorority sister. Yeah. Like, that's gross. So you could have changed all of those things and had almost the same movie, but just with slightly different intent. And then it would have been hilarious. <laughs> like, really, there were parts of it that were really, really funny. I mean, there were some parts I thought were funny, mainly involving the Phil sitting in the car. Phil in the car... Uh, Danny's face. Yeah. 
Like, there were some really, really funny moments to it, and I liked that part of it. That being said, the story was all over the place, and, like, we haven't even really talked about the fact that it was a ghost story, but I don't fully understand Mm-mm. what was going on with that ghost. No. Well, and I can't spoil things, but part of it revolves around, like, protective things they had that were supposed to keep the ghost away, but they yes. didn't seem to do anything. <laughs> yes. This movie was very pro-cultural appropriation. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. When I say I enjoyed this movie, there was, like, a tiny fraction of it that I could see under all the garbage, where I was like, this could be really a funny movie. <laughs> but in terms of rating this movie, I think that tiny little fraction of funny in there saves it enough that I'm going to give it two taxidermied bunnies out of five. Yeah. Because without that sense of humor that it had, it would have been a one. And if it had gone just a tiny bit further, it would have gotten a zero from me because it was, yeah. it was problematic. Because cousins. Uh, yes, but even less so, <laughs> like, or less so that and more like, the problematic representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, I won't go so low as to give it a one. It was schlocky, dumb stuff that is worthy of 1.5 taxidermied bunnies out of five. So real top tier material. Glad we saw it. I mean, it was almost goofy humor. Like we were watching high anxiety again. Like it was, <laughs> It's not quite so parody-like, but it was almost parody. I mean, there were some jokes, but I just, I didn't see as many of them as you. I think, I think a lot of the things that you're calling jokes are things where I'm like, that was very badly written, (laughs) which is kind of funny, but they didn't do it right. Yeah. And your assumption is that that's intentional and mine is that it's terrible. I, I, Yeah, and that is what my assumption is. I do think that a lot of that terribleness was them being like, ha-ha, wouldn't it be funny if only their idea of what's funny is not great. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, we are swiftly approaching our penultimate movie night. I know. What are we watching for our second to last podcast of the season? Well, keep in mind, this would have been our last podcast and that's important when you find out about the evil twin yes our second to last movie is called the loved ones from 2009 that's what moviebot told us to watch okay the evil twin of that movie and the very cleverly chosen evil twin thanks mikey is called the last ones from 2012 that would have been perfect for our final final movie it would have been but We do have two clever titles for our actual final movie now that we've had to rearrange. So we will be back here tomorrow to talk about the loved ones and the last ones. And until then... Party on, Wayne. And don't kiss your cousins. Just don't. Not on the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not with that kind of intent. (laughs) It was there. There was serious intent. It was definitely there. It's an uncomfortable movie.
faces. <laughs> and his brother's Johnny 